0: Thank you for listening, but please be advised that I don't just believe shit I hear on podcasts. And I hope you don't either. Be skeptical and look into things for yourself. If you find that I was wrong about something, the best thing you can do for me is to let me know. You can do that at livingthroughextinction@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Please also be aware of the fact that I swear and I don't bleep shit out. So listener discretion is advised. <music> and this is episode 97 of Living Through Extinction, a short to the point podcast with science and skepticism, environment and wildlife, and stuff I find interesting or important that I want to learn more about. Today I talk about salt lamps and negative ionization, the strangeness of the platypus, a second isolated microbe from the Asgard Archaea group, and more atrocities found throughout Project 2025's Mandate for Leadership. If you've joined me before, then thank you for returning. You have no idea how much I appreciate you. If this is your first time listening to Living Through Extinction, welcome! I hope you find it both fun and informative. And if you're interested in supporting the show, all the possible ways are listed after the final segment and thank yous. For this episode's skeptical segment, I'll be talking about Himalayan salt lamps. These salt lamps are made from large, hollowed-out chunks of pink rock salt. A light is inserted and it gives off a warm, pretty pink glow. If you like the way they look and the light makes you happy, then enjoy your salt lamps. If you think they are helping your health in some way, I'm sorry, but they absolutely are not. In fact, the method by which the frauds will tell you that they heal you by negatively ionizing the air, if they actually did that in any way that could have an effect, it would actually be a negative one. The second claim made is that they somehow absorb toxins. This statement is pretty much always bullshit. Which toxins? By what method does this occur? The answers are no toxins, and it doesn't occur. There has never been any evidence that sodium chloride, which this is, absorbs toxins from the air. Like a lot of medical woo, salt lamps have been gaining in popularity for years now. Faulty, misleading studies have to take some of the blame for this. They were done without controls and without random or adequate numbers of participants. It all came down to personal anecdotes, which never proves anything. Of course, the alternative market jumped in right away and started selling and promoting salt lamps as cures for all sorts of things. The most common health claim is that it will help treat respiratory conditions, it does no such thing. But if they're moral enough to sell it under false pretenses, they will also promote the false claims in order to make these sales. Quacks are even selling the lamps as treatments for serious issues, such as chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. The negative ionization claim has a lot of flaws. The first being that the lamps would have to be immense, and even then, it would be nearly impossible for them to do the air of an entire room. It would be in the immediate vicinity of the lamp itself, within inches. It doesn't flow the way water or gas does. Yes, the lamps are tiny ionizers, but the claim that the negative ionization is a good thing is also very flawed. If they were negatively ionizing the air in the room as they claim, the health effects would be negative, not the positive. So it really is a good thing in this case that they do not do what they say they do. Ionization is what happens when charged particles attach themselves to pollutant particles in the air, charging them and causing them to stick to nearby surfaces. This removes them from the breathable air, but it doesn't remove them from the area. The ionization just grabs the pollutants and sticks them to a nearby surface, such as a desk or a lamp or a wall this is a very temporary thing. They do not stay stuck to these surfaces. Pretty much any indoor activity will stir them up and send them into the air again. It could be dusting, vacuuming, blowing fans, someone walking by or grabbing something off the surface. As long as there is life and movement in the home, they would not stay out of the air for long. Even worse, if they did work as claimed, and they did ionize the air in one's home, and one ended up inhaling these charged particles before they stick to a surface, they will stick in the person's respiratory tract instead and settle into the windpipe or the lungs. There, they will do a whole lot more harm than they would have done if they had stayed uncharged particles floating through the air. Studies on these ionized particles have shown that they have the ability to penetrate deep into the respiratory systems, causing both heart and lung issues. The good news is that the small lamps do not do enough to cause the health problems. If you have a 300-pound salt lamp that's heated with a super hot bulb and you spend time regularly sitting right beside it, then you may experience the negative effects of ionization the other negative thing ionizers do is make ozone not stratospheric ozone which protects our planet from many outside forces but tropospheric ozone which is also known as smog negative ionization can create tropospheric ozone indoors which becomes harmful if allowed to reach high levels symptoms experienced from exposure to negative ionization affected particles are coughing wheezing trouble breathing stuffy nose dizziness tingling in the extremities and fever Long-term exposure leads to asthma and heart and lung disease. More recent, yet-to-be-confirmed studies have suggested it can also lead to seizures and blindness. Again, thankfully, the ones in people's homes are not large enough to do any harm. But if you are concerned about the air quality in your home, salt lamps are not doing anything to help with that. Ventilation is key. And of course, there are actual air purifiers that do help a bit. Houseplants do even more, though. There are houseplants which will absorb volatile organic compounds and other harmful chemicals, which commercial air purifiers can't do. In summary, enjoy your salt lamp. Relax in its soft pink glow, but don't believe it's doing anything to clean the air or absorb toxins. That's just not the case. Be skeptical, dammit! One of my favorite animals, mainly due to its weirdness, is the platypus. They are so unusual that when samples were first sent to the British for study in the 18th century, it was assumed to be a hoax. And when the first Westerner, George Shaw, received a Pelt and Bill for study from Australia, he was certain someone was trying to pull one over on him. That's because the platypus almost appears to be a chimera of creatures. If a zoologist has observed ducks, beavers, and otters before but never a platypus, it's understandable that they may at first presume someone took parts from these different animals and put them together to create something that doesn't exist. This is good skepticism, really, especially since such frauds have occurred in the past. But the platypus, as we all know today, is very real. It has a bill like a duck, as well as webbed feet kind of like a duck, a tail like a beaver, and the body and fur of an otter. Today, of course, we acknowledge that these creatures are real. And while their outward appearance is strange, so are a lot of their other qualities. For one, they are only one of two known mammals which do not birth live young. Platypuses will build a burrow at the edge of their water source and a female will seal themselves inside to lay one or two eggs. Apparently the mother will curl up, holding the egg or eggs between her tail and her body to keep them warm. Babies are called puggles and are born in about 10 days, but are completely helpless at this point. They're also only about the size of a lima bean. They have to be nursed in the burrow for three to four months before they can set out and swim on their own. Nursing, again, is very different from what other mammals do. Platypuses do not have nipples. They excrete their milk through glands in their skin, so it would almost appear as though they're sweating milk. The mother will lay down on her back and allow the milk to pool in her belly where the puggles can lop it up. The milk itself is also different. It's full of very potent antibiotics made from proteins that may be able to help scientists come up with antibiotics to use against superbugs one day. And that's not the only potential medical contribution from their natural excretions. Male platypuses have sharp venomous spurs on the heels of their hind feet, capable of delivering strong toxic doses of poison to their opponents. These have only been observed in use while fighting over a female. This venom they make has a hormone in it that stimulates insulin production. So they may also help one day in the fight against diabetes. So powerful antibiotics and something that stimulates insulin production just made naturally, just a part of their natural bodily fluids. Another strange thing is that for some reason the puggles are born with teeth. They never use these teeth they fall out and are replaced with a grinding plate, which is used to grind up the hard outer shells of their food. Platypuses are aquatic mammals and need to stay close to the water to eat and stay safe. While rather agile and fast in the water, thanks to their strong, flat tail and webbed feet, they are awkward and slower when on land, so going further inland would probably be a bit dangerous for them. Though they can run! Another strange attribute they have is that the webbing on their feet can be retracted to reveal individual nails. This allows them to run somewhat when on land, but their agility skills are definitely strongest when in the water. In the water, they paddle with their front feet and steer with their rear feet and tail. They seal their eyes and ears with folds of skin while submerged to keep the water out. This does not hinder their ability to hunt, and that's thanks to their amazing duck-like bills. These bills are covered in a leather skin full of tens of thousands of pores with electromagnetic sensors in them. With these sensors, they're able to detect and hone in on the faint electrical signals emitted by their prey, which includes things such as worms, insects, and shellfish. They will scoop up sand and gravel along with these food items and use it with their grinding plates to grind up the meat and shells and eat it up. Platypuses need to eat about 20% of their own body weight every day and the things they eat are rather small. So they spend up to 12 hours a day on the hunt. And that brings me to one last, very strange attribute of these mammals. They do not have a stomach. When they eat, they swallow through an esophagus like us. But from the esophagus, their food goes directly into their intestines for absorption. No need to break it down before it gets there the way almost all mammals must do. They're weird, they're awesome. They have the potential to help us with disease. And their babies are called puggles. What's not to love, right? Today I'll be getting into some more sections from The Mandate for Leadership. As a recap, the first of four pillars of Project 2025 was the publication of The Mandate for Leadership, which the next conservative president is expected to follow. It's basically a manifesto for a Christian nationalist totalitarian regime. Last episode, I talked about just two sections from this massive publication, the Department of Justice and the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Both of these sections were shown to be full of discriminatory anti-LGBT legislation. Today, I'm going to see how many more sections I can fit in without going too long. There are very few sections that don't manage to insert anti-LGBT rhetoric into them. Those that I found were the EPA and the DOE. Even conservative Republicans can figure out a way to fit their hate into these areas. But they sure fuck them up regardless. Starting with the section on the EPA. That's the Environmental Protection Agency. Remember, a great deal of the authors of this mandate are high ups in major fossil fuel corporations and you can tell just by reading it. The EPA is to be downsized and the mandates for it are what's good for fossil fuel companies and not what's good for people or the environment. Read this section and you will see trigger terms such as the left's love affair with environmental extremism they call environmental science and wanting to make a better future for the next generation environmental extremism. This section calls environmental sciences and caring about the environment, quote, a pseudo-religion meant to baptize liberals' ruthless pursuit of absolute power in the holy water of environmental virtue, unquote. What a bunch of nonsense. I don't even get what that statement is trying to say exactly. Except it shows once again how they love to put their own way of feeling and thinking on others. There's no religion here. Just science. No baptizing. That's you people. This section goes on to call environmentalism anti-human. Once again, the opposite of reality. Saving the planet for future generations is pro-humanity. And there really is no way to genuinely argue against that. The EPA section is also filled with all sorts of propaganda, conflating the Liberals with the Chinese. Reading this reminded me of those propaganda posts that went around in Canada not that long ago. The ones about the evil Liberals bringing in the dangerous 5G from China. Just bullshit piled on top of bullshit, piled on top of bullshit. Yet naive Canadians bought into it and spread these exact posts. The mandate for leadership calls for stalking the administration with climate change deniers, fossil fuel executives, investors, and lobbyists in order to accomplish a complete dismantling of any and all efforts to combat global warming. Even worse, as they allow it to continue, they also have zero plans for infrastructure and or community resilience plans for what's to come. After all, they're rich, so they'll be okay. What do they care about what's to come? It also calls for the shutdown of the Office of Environmental Justice and External Civil Rights, the Office of Enforcement and Compliance Assistance, the Office of Public Engagement, and the Office of Environmental Education, and removing the Greenhouse Gas Reporting Program for unregulated sources. States are to be barred from adopting California's stricter environmental standards for greenhouse gases. So much for states' rights, hey? It also calls for the banning of scientific studies which include health data in setting EPA regulations and the elimination of regulations against drilling on federal land. Are you hearing this? Like, they have this in writing for anyone to go and see. As those in the environmental sciences have been reading about how climate legislation is to be repealed and all environmental protections are to be gutted, they are calling it a war on our children's future. And they're right. It really is. An environmental scientist in one interview said that Project 2025 would, quote, far surpass the environmental carnage carried out by Trump, unquote. Meanwhile, there's wildfire smoke covering a huge chunk of the country, ocean temperatures reached hot enough to kill people in Florida, and we've reached record lows in sea ice and record heat in Arizona. Some of the descriptions I came across from people in environmental fields in regards to this document were insane, terrifying and a blueprint to destroy the planet. They all seem to agree that this will hamper society's ability to deal with our rapidly growing climate crisis. Once Republicans are in power, the United States is not going to be a part of any solutions anymore. Project 2025 says that it will, quote, balance justified skepticism towards an agency that has long been amenable to being co-opted by the left for political ends, unquote. What a bunch of bullshit. Again. The left follows what's called scientific skepticism. The left uses skepticism to get to the truth. What they are talking about in Project 2025 is called cynical skepticism. Not the same thing at all. From a related but kept separate section of the Mandate for Leadership, we have the DOE. That's the Department of Energy. A direct quote from this section The next administration should work with Congress to eliminate all Department of Energy applied energy programs. Unquote. It goes on to talk about expanding natural gas infrastructure and the use of fossil fuels. Yes, really. They make the claim that unlike the Democrats, they want to make use of all possible resources, claiming that the people are being limited by green power. Again, bullshit. Bullshit. What they are saying is that they want to go back to coal and oil for as much as possible. And we have to remember that these are the people who make money off of these industries who are doing this. That's the only reason they keep spreading their climate change denial lies. Money! This section demands the defunding of all progressive policies such as decarbonization of the economy and renewable resources. Get this. It also calls for the elimination of energy efficiency standards for appliances. That way, people will use even more fuel and energy, and they will make even more money. See this for what it is. A governmental cash grab at the cost of our kids' futures. They even list those items they want all regulations removed from. Air conditioners, furnaces, water heaters, stoves, washing machines, dryers, refrigerators, dishwashers, light bulbs, shower heads. They claim that these regulations reduce consumer choice. Right. Trying to make it seem like they're doing this for the people, when it's really just about putting more money in their pockets. You know what else reduces choice? Seatbelt laws. Speed limits. But we know they save lives, so society has deemed them worthy. Just like appliance regulations. They actually call for the Office of Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy to be eliminated along with the Office of Clean Energy Demonstrations. And one more direct quote from this section. The president should refuse to provide climate reparations and should encourage other countries to reconsider their desire to provide reparations. Unquote. The last bit this section covers is weapons of war. The U.S. is to continue to develop new warheads for land, sea, and air create a second plutonium pit and reject ratification of the comprehensive test ban treaty. Yikes. Now let's take a quick look at what they have to say under the section of intelligence. Anything Biden did to quote, further the woke agenda should be reversed and scrubbed from all policy manuals, policy documents and agendas. Unquote. And another quote from this section. The President should immediately revoke Executive Order 1402041 and every policy, including subregulatory guidance documents, produced on behalf of or related to the establishment or promotion of the Gender Policy Council and its subsidiary issues. And yet another quote. Abolishing the Gender Policy Council would eliminate central promotion of abortion, comprehensive sex education, and the new woke gender ideology, which has a principal tenet of gender-affirming care and sex change surgeries on minors. Unquote. Wow. Talk about a bunch of lies. And we once again have projection here. Religions have tenets and commandments. The existence of genderqueer people or fluid people do not. They just are. Next quote. Remember, I'm pulling this from the section on intelligence. The president should appoint a position point of contact with the rank of special assistant to the president to coordinate and lead the president's domestic priorities on issues related to life and family. And, quote, Any program or operation found to be inconsistent with the president's agenda should be immediately halted. Unquote. Again, With their agenda. And one more from the section on intelligence. Quote, The United States has never seriously pushed back against the EU. Now is the time. Unquote. I'm going to finish off part two with a section on the Department of Health and Human Services. Again, all sorts of anti-LGBT legislation throughout. But not just LGBT. They don't want any restrictions on discriminating. All that has to go. A direct quote from this section, The president should direct agencies to rescind regulations interpreting sex discrimination provisions such as prohibiting discrimination on the basis of sexual discrimination, sexual orientation, gender identity, transgender status, sex characteristics, etc. So, discrimination and bigotry for everyone. Fuck. Again, this section talks about our families and how in their eyes we should be. It talks about promoting stable and flourishing married families. Quote, "Families comprised of a mother and a father and their children are the foundation of a well-ordered nation and healthy society." Unquote. Super bullshit. Some of the most free nations in the world with the happiest citizens are accepting of families made up of loving couples of any consenting adult pairing. And they also have healthier citizens because those same nations have free health care. In another part of this section, you will read about how current family policies are fraught with agenda items focused on LGBT plus equity. What agenda? You are the ones with a very clearly outlined agenda. For fuck's sake. Oh, and single mothers are to be hit in this section as well. Quote, subsidizing single mothers must stop. Funny they never mention single fathers. You see what that comes down to, right? When you combine their anti-abortion laws with anti-single motherhood plans. If a woman's raped and becomes pregnant, her choices are basically going to be to live in poverty with her child with no assistance or allow her rapist into hers and the child's lives in order to survive. This is the dystopian patriarchy we women should really be afraid of. This is where Republican legislation is going to leave us. Also in this section is how policies accepting of diverse families have to be repealed and replaced with policies that support the formation of stable married nuclear families. This from the government who claims the Dems and Libs are the ones trying to interfere with your families. Fucking hypocrites! There's an interesting paragraph on COVID nineteen in this section. In it it says quote excess deaths skyrocketed because of forced lockdowns and isolations. Unquote. Can you hear me face palming? If anything, it's the churches that refused to close or let people mask that ran the death numbers up. Meanwhile, this section also says that the CDC needs to consider how much risk mitigation is worth the price of shutting down churches. Quote, What is the proper balance of lives saved versus souls saved? Unquote. Holy fuck. Lives are more important every time, you dumb fucks. They want the Center for Disease Control to consider the soul. They want a scientific institution to bow down to their religious beliefs and consider something which isn't even proven to exist. That's some pretty fucked up shit. Of course, this section for the Department of Health and Human Services also has a lot of shit about abortion in it. It's to become illegal to promote abortion as healthcare even though it totally is. And women are already losing their reproductive futures because of not receiving that care after miscarriages and live births. For more detailed information on that, listen to Living Through Extinction, episode 93. The mandate calls for the government to specifically fund studies into risks and complications of abortions. I can tell you those studies have been done. Do we really trust any additional studies that these obviously anti-science politicians are gonna have done The fact of the matter is, carrying a baby to term in the United States is far more dangerous, has far more risks than abortions, surgical or medical. Check your own nation's medical records, people. The U.S. maternal mortality rate for full-term births is fucking high. There is so much purposeful disinformation in this section that there's no way I can cover it all. It calls liberal states sanctions for abortion tourism. Like people are doing it for fun. Notice how they love stealing terms. Taking this one from disaster tourism or tragedy tourism. The difference being that nobody has abortions for fun. There's actually a section on what they call abortion survivors. These do not exist. That would be called a birth. The penny in a can story has been proven to be false. She made it the fuck up. The fact that anyone fell for it, especially people who are supposed to be educated, is so fucking sad for society. Talk to a physician and ask them how that would work. It doesn't. Yet a direct quote from this section goes as follows the undeniable reality of abortion is that it does not always result in a dead baby. And these born alive babies are left to die. Unquote. No, it is not. What is an undeniable reality is that one woman named Penny claimed that this happened to her and it was proven to be false. What is an undeniable reality is that if a baby comes out of the womb alive, it's called a birth. No Democrat, no liberal, would ever say that could still be called an abortion. That is murder. There are laws that would have the baby tested. And if those tests prove that it had taken even a single breath, then there would have to be an investigation as to how and why that baby died. If not natural causes, then charges would be laid. This is something that happens all the fucking time. Do conservatives not follow true crime? You can't just kill a baby after it's been born alive. Nobody is calling that an abortion. You are fucking liars. There is a clear call in this section of the mandate to reverse approval of chemical abortion drugs. The problem with this, as we've been seeing more and more of lately, is that those same drugs are used for other purposes and they wanna restrict them completely, keeping them from use for other things as well. This has happened again and again in the US. Someone needs a drug for an illness, but it turns out the drug that would save them is also used for abortions. So they have a very hard time getting access to it or refused access completely. As per chemical abortion, they say in this mandate that it has been found to have a complication rate four times higher than that of surgical abortions. Okay, sure. And that's still safer than giving birth, especially in the U.S. Surgical abortions have 0.1% of, of having some form of complication. That includes everything from very minor to very serious. So that would make chemical abortion have a 0.4% of a a chance of complications. This is less than some low risk prescriptions we take all the time, such as penicillin and Viagra. The abortion pill is safer than penicillin and Viagra. And those risks that are calculated into the 0.4% include things like headaches, Seriously, the next part blew my mind. It actually says this, quote, the NIH, that's the National Institute of Health. The NIH was responsible for paying for research in aborted baby parts, human animal chimera experiments, and gain of function viral research that may have been responsible for COVID-19. Chimera experiments, what? And I thought it was the Chinese they were blaming for COVID. I guess blaming the Chinese doesn't fit their agendas well anymore. Better to put it on liberal NIH and the liberal health system. Have they addressed this change in their attitude? No. In science, when something changes, it is addressed. And the reasons for the change are addressed. With conservatives, they just go with whatever whim they happen to feel. And finally, this section calls for the repealing of what they call harmful health policies that allow price negotiations on medications. This section makes the claim that price limitations will limit access. Again, it's the opposite. Price limitations clearly increase access to medications. Their claim that we won't be able to get them here if we try to negotiate is complete bullshit. I covered this in a previous skeptical segment. Nations that do limit the prices on things such as insulin still have the same access as everywhere else. Why? Because the pharmaceutical companies still make some profit off of each of those sales. And some profit is better than no profit. So they're not about to cut out an entire nation as customers. That's business. That's capitalism. That's how shit actually works. And that's also all the sections of the mandate for leadership that I've got for you for today. Please tune in two weeks from now to hear about the atrocities found in the sections about media, labor, education, and human rights. Remember. Nobody has to believe me. They are so certain their base will not bother to read it that they have published it online for all to see. Their mandates very clearly put theocracy and hierarchy over freedom, just as Hitler and Mussolini did. Parties, especially parties of democratic nations, should grow and evolve. The Republican Party, however, has been stuck in the same place since the 1980s. Now they're doing their very best to take the country back another 60 years or even more. The next time they get into power, they will create the permanent political class that they accuse the Democrats of being. Go read it for yourself. At least be aware of what's to come if they win the next election, because that's going to be life going forward. So this is exciting the second microbe from the asgard archaea group has been isolated and cultivated at the university of vienna this has only been done once before at the japan agency for marine earth science and technology the first one took 12 years but the second only took six the asgard archaea group of microbes are not complex they were first published in nature and are described as more ancestral or primordial this newly isolated one has been tentatively named loki archaeum ossiferum Yes, Asgard and Loki come from Marvel. Scientists love naming shit after comic stuff. This is very exciting for evolutionary biologists. Researchers believe this group of microorganisms hold the clues to the evolution of complex eukaryotic life. And so microbes from the Asgard Archaea group are among the most coveted organisms in science today. Now that two are being studied in detail, the researchers are saying that it may be time to revise the tree of life that we see in textbooks. The newly discovered cell is 500 nanometers wide. It's shaped like an orb with snaky tendrils covering it. Study has shown that these tendrils are made of actin. Actin is the protein that forms the skeletal scaffold in almost all complex cells, or eukaryotes. This means every creature built from eukaryotic cells, which includes us humans, are offshoots of the Asgard group. This is what must be represented in revisions of the Tree of Life. The studying of these organisms is very difficult because they're very sensitive. They cannot be stirred, or centrifuged, or exposed to oxygen. The growth is extremely slow, and nothing can be done to speed it up. The latest discovered Asgard archaea microbes' growth was coaxed out of a tiny spoonful of seafloor sludge. Nothing appeared to be happening for months, but then it started, and it took six years to fully form. As I said, an extremely slow growth. There are several labs working on doing what these two have accomplished, including one in the Netherlands, which claims to have made significant progress. And that's all for today. Please consider subscribing to the YouTube for short weekly skeptical videos. Thank you for joining me. May your health and sanity continue to be replenished daily. My eternal gratitude goes out to the following people. Jason Martin for helping me get started on this project almost four years ago. I wouldn't be doing this right now if not for him. Kathy Rayner for her musical contribution on the violin. Paul Palmer for his musical contribution on the guitar. He can be found at WPG Suitcase Drummer on Instagram. Dustin Harder for composing and recording the intro and outro for the show. You can find him on Instagram at Prairie Soul Music. And finally, thank you to my household for putting up with me. Love you all lots. I hope you will choose to join me again in two weeks for episode 98 of Living Through Extinction. If you enjoy Living Through Extinction and would like to support the show, the best ways to do so are to subscribe and rate, and to comment and like positive comments on your favorite podcast player. Or you can help out by following, liking, and sharing on all the social medias. The show can be found under Living Through Extinction on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, YouTube, Pinterest, and TikTok. And under LTE Pod on Blue Sky, Hive, Tribal, and Twitter. There's also a Patreon at patreon.com slash livingthroughextinction. There you can earn stickers, pins, masks, and more, as well as help me to plant some trees. If you have any comments, corrections, questions, or suggestions, please email them to livingthroughextinction@gmail.com, at gmail.com or message me through one of the social medias.